Good evening, LCM. Tonight is September 1st, 2022. This evening, we are going to rally this body to continue to lock arms in this kingdom work that Adonai has called us to. From our own toil in the scriptures, we have brought out precious jewels of revelation that are further transforming our minds into the mind of Christ. If Justin and I seem overzealous or overpassionate tonight, good. If we ruffle your feathers and get under your skin, good. Good. If we make you mad, glad, happy, or sad, good. Because we will leave no middle ground for you to stand in tonight. If we seem a little out of our minds, good. Because we are getting into the mind of Christ. We're going to review a slide from Sunday service. This is Proverbs 17, 17 in the CJB. A friend shows his friendship at all times. It is for adversity that such a brother is born. You see, the brothers that have been birthed in this house have been birthed for adversity. In adversity. And it is through adversity that our brotherhood will be proven genuine beyond all doubt and at all times. We are raising up officers who have the same mindset as Christ. One that will sacrifice all to do the will of God for the people of God. Yeah. Are you willing to sacrifice all, church? Yes. That is exactly what we will do. We will lay down our lives and not love them as to shrink back from death. We will see the light of heaven break out in the region of a swan. In the darkest, most church-forsaken continents. Our Bibles, the sword of the Spirit will be our water, and we will delight in enduring the adversities and hardships ahead. Adversities are a certain reality, but church, we refuse to endure them individually. As a family, we're compelled to operate as a collective unit for the glory of God. Whose glory? God's glory. This is how officers operate in the body of Christ, and this is how they think about their brothers to their left and to their right. This is an officer mentality, and we will not stop short of seeing every family, every soul dressed in uniform before the throne of our king. This makes me think of Jude 22 through 25, a passage that's frequented by us in our studies because it's so moving what's stated here. Here are the scriptures as I pick up in 22. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. Get that corrupted flesh off your uniform. 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Church, our trek towards the restoration of national Israel and our resurrection with them, we can be confident as we do the hard work of the kingdom. Someone say, hard work. work. We know that he is able to keep us from falling and that he gives us strength to go forward to complete the work. 
Our trajectory, though, as a body, is trending up in a glorious fashion. And tonight, we ask the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Sabaoth, one more time. One more time, strengthen us for the sake of the brothers on our left and on our right. The title of tonight's message is One More Time. Look, when you think of strength and supernatural ability, we think of men like Charlie Brown. Come on. We think of men like John Dang. Yeah. And Bajadar Arajina. And Eric Stevens. Come on. Look, in the time when Israel had judges to protect them, the people looked to a man with supernatural strength and supernatural ability. Would you like to know about this man? Yeah. His name is Samson. Samson, well, he was the macho. Oh, yeah. Adonis, deliverer of the day. Yeah. There was not a mountain that was high enough, mm. a valley that was low enough, no river wide enough to yeah. keep him from delivering his people. When you think about it, Samson, Man, he was awesome in all respects. When you think about Samson, you might be thinking about Hercules running around. But you've got it backwards. Let's look at some of Samson's exploits to really see how awesome Samson was. Judges 14, picking up in 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. He went to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house. We're talking about 30 grown men. It goes without saying that Samson was a force to be reckoned with. As you're thinking about what Samson may have looked like, many of you might think of someone who is large and muscular. Or maybe you picture Adam Cora in a toga. In any case... He was very strong and no match for a normal man. Let's take a look at Judges 15, 13 through 15. And we're going to continue to look at the unmatched, unparalleled strength of this judge, Samson. Verse 13. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi. The Philistines came towards him shouting. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax. And the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey. He grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Man, just look at that strength. Look at the strength that Samson had. A thousand men were no match for Samson. I'm sure Samson was just strong enough that he might have been able to join the power team for Jesus. I mean, you know, look how strong I am in the Lord as I rip this phone book up. Look at what the Lord's done in my life, my muscles, my life. You see, Samson was something to behold. He had this gift of strength that no one could stand against. He was awesome. Man, don't you want to be awesome like Samson? Yeah. Don't you want to stand up and do exploits like Samson? Don't you want to have a mighty track record of amazing, powerful things that you've done for the Lord? Man, that's awesome. You see, this gift was from the Lord. And when the Spirit came on him, there was not a battle that Samson could not win. Samson was strong. 
Samson was courageous, and Samson was born for a purpose. Do you want to be like Samson tonight? Yeah. Good, because we're going to be like Samson. Let's look at how Samson started his life and how he was set apart at birth. This is Judges 13, 4 and 5, and as you're turning there, say one more time. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fer other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. Get that McDonald's out of here. Hey, or that checkers. <laughs> Get it out of here. Get it out of here. <laughs> is, that, is that too cold? <laughs> I'll pay for that later, I guess. All right, verse 5. Because you will conceive and give birth to a son, no razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. See, there's something you need to know about Samson. Samson was to be a Nazarite. That means that Sans Samson had a vow on his life, and he could not cut his hair, nor was he to drink wine. You see, these disciplines should have led him to have no association with the local barber yeah. or the nearest liquor store. What we see in Samson is an extraordinary call matched with this awesome set-apartness and yeah. supernatural strength. Man, isn't that what we all want? Yeah. Man, an extraordinary call. You want that? Yes. Do you want awesome set-apartness unto the Lord? Don't you want supernatural strength? Man. Wouldn't you want to just be as awesome as Samson? Wouldn't you want to be considered strong? Wouldn't you want to do great exploits for the king? He was certainly awesome, but he was awesome up to the point that his own ambition and internal desires took precedence over the divine call given to him from Adonai. Oh. Church, remember how James admonished the believers about what happens when men begin to set their eyes on fleshly selfish pursuits. This is James 4, 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? The internal struggle. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Church, we have to clench and turn on the areas of our own call, our own life, where we become a little too self-centered on our own development. A little too focused on our own accomplishments. A little too focused on our own progress in the kingdom. Let me ask you, what is it worth to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? What is it worth to arrive at greatness without your family by your side? What is it worth to build a wall without your brothers on your left and right? Why should we strive to make ourselves great at the expense of the believers that God has placed next to you? You see, we've been learning about an officer mentality, haven't we, church? That, that is not the officer mentality. Right. That is not the mind of Christ, and that is not what he desires for his church. Yeah. When we have a lack of outward focus on the greater work of the church and the kingdom, then you'll find out something that Samson's soon about to learn. Your strength starts to dissipate. 
You see, those who truly want to build a good name must first prove it in their selfless actions towards their family. A selfish mind is a weak mind. Being selfish is weak in essence. It's weak in nature. It causes you to be weak. But a selfless mind, man, that's a strong mind. Come on, a selfless mind is a strong mind. Man, I know when my mind needs strengthening, which is all the time, and you know what's good all the time? A proverb. Proverbs 22, verse 1. For most of the men in this church, this will be one that we've been reflecting on often. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than gold or silver. Like Justin was saying, a good name is first built in the home. It's built with your family. And a call that is outward focused, it's first cultivated within your home, with your family. If you're going to take your life to the nations, what you are bringing to them has to be first cultivated within the walls of your own home. Let's talk ministry. A ministry that wants to reach the nation first establishes a good name within their team. Integrity. Man, there's nothing, no, no price tag you could put on that. We can only do this when we use the strength that the Lord gave us for the deliverance, development, and discipleship of the ones on our left and right. You can only deliver, develop, and build disciples when you are first building your name within the house. So after hearing that, we want to take another look at the life of Samson and what this leads to in his life. We're very aware that many of you know the story of Samson. You know how he ended his life. You've heard it preached over and over again. But we are starting to highlight something, and we've been leading you along the way that we want to show you a critical aspect of Samson's life that you might not have noticed. We're going to get to it in Judges 14, verse 5 through 6. Are you all with us tonight? Verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. As he tore the lion as he might have a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Hmm. Wonder why not? You see, time in the vineyard for Samson was selfish and fleshly. We're now starting to see Samson take a turn in his life where he begins to have selfish and fleshly debased desires that are going to get him in trouble. You see, the word set him apart, and for him as a Nazarite, anywhere near the vine was sin. To be a Nazarite anywhere near the vine was sin. And he is breaking God's commands by being in the vineyard. His own eyes led him astray, though. He saw something. He saw something that was pleasing. He saw something that was pleasing to him, and it caused him in that moment to become selfish. Now, you might ask, how could he be selfish when nobody's around him? How is he acting selfishly? Acting selfishly is when you desire what you want more than what God wants for you in any given moment. That is selfishness. You see, what this 
did is his own eyes led him astray, and then he's seeing something that was pleasing to him, causing him to become selfish, being selfish, and yet he seems to have a victory in the vineyard anyway. Now you might think, oh man, that's the grace of God on his life. I mean, the Lord helped him tear apart that lion. I mean, he was awesome. But there's something larger at play that we need to grasp. You see, he was in sin in the vineyard, but he got a victory while he was in sin. This starts to produce a false confidence in Samson's life. This begins to produce the desire in Samson's life that I can be selfish, I can be fleshly, and I can still have the strength that God has given me. Church, false confidence in the vineyard will always lead back to the vineyard. Your false confidence, if you have a victory but you're sitting, in sin, you're sitting in sin at the same time, well, it'll always bring you back to that moment when that false confidence started creeping in your life. You see, at this point in Samson's life, he was becoming okay. Samson was becoming okay with selfish, uh, one note's messing with me. See, That's at this right. point in Samson's life, he was becoming okay with selfish desires creeping into his life. He didn't immediately reap the consequences of his selfish sin, and therefore his comfortability with selfishness is going to drag him further. In the life of Samson, we are seeing his inward desires and his eyes starting to lead him astray. Let's see where this pattern of false confidence led Samson. This is Judges 16, 18 through 20. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, and he told, the, told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands, having put him to sleep on her lap. She called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and I will shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. You see, Samson got caught up in what his eyes desired and his God-given strength was being used for his own gratification, for his own will, his own ambitions. The sobering thing we learn from Samson is that you can feel yourself doing great things because they fuel your own inward desires. Like getting victory over a lion when you weren't supposed to be in the vineyard in the first place. All the while, the strength that God gave you in those moments or gave Samson in those moments is being taken, you can still be satisfied with your own ambitions. Samson wanted what Samson wanted, and when he got it, he did not even realize that his strength had been taken from him. We say false confidence always leads back to the victory, because if you are in a situation that you were never supposed to be in, but your strength allows you to be delivered for a moment, it will always lead back to that, that sinful vineyard because it's gratifying something in your heart that needs to be circumcised away. But church, there's something that we want you to gather 
from Samson's life. What we're preaching to you tonight is nothing new. You've heard this before, yeah. and you need to hear it again. We all need to hear it. Amen. But there's something that we want you to gather from Samson's life. Samson was a man with supernatural strength, and it was awesome. Samson had great exploits, and man, was it something to see. I would really have loved to see Samson carrying the gates of the Philistines on his back. Yeah. That would have been something. But see, Samson forgot something crucial. And it's something that we all together forget very, very often. Samson forgot why he had his strength. Samson knew he was strong. Samson could, in the moment, rely on his strength to get himself out of his own sinful tendencies until he couldn't. But Samson forgot why he was strong. Do you remember the reason he was born? We read it earlier. The reason he was born was to be a deliverer for his people Israel yeah. and to deliver them from the Philistines. What does that tell you about his strength? Samson's strength was not for him. It was for his people. Yeah. God gave him supernatural strength, not for himself, but for his people. You see, Samson's strength not only left him because he broke God's commandment. Samson's strength left him because he was no longer focusing on his people. He was focusing on his own fleshly desires. Wow. He broke God's command by being in the vineyard. He broke God's command by touching a carcass. He broke God's command so many ways. But you know what was really going on in that moment? That moment... He was forgetting why he had his strength, and all he was thinking about is what his eyes can see, what he wanted, what he needed, what he wanted. And the moment that his eyes went on to fleshly things, his strength started to wane. His strength started to fail because that strength had only been given to him for his people and not for his own desires. He was given strength for his brothers but he wanted the vineyard. He was given strength for his brothers, but he wanted Delilah. He was so inundated with fleshly desires. Call it whatever you want. Lust, pride, selfishness, myopic thinking, me, mine, whatever. What he wanted, he was so inundated with that he didn't even notice that his strength was gone until the last moment. Oh, church, how easy is it to become so inundated with selfish, fleshly desires. And then you wake up one day and your strength is gone. So easy. Because we forget that our strength is not for ourselves. It's for our people. And yeah. to be used for our people, church. So if you're in here tonight and you're wrestling with areas that you've seen selfishness. Either you've known about it and you've been actively working to uproot it from your heart, or in this moment, you are seeing that your life is full of selfishness and self-gratification. We want to hint at where we're going tonight. We want to help you get your eyes off yourself and on the right things, myself included, because tonight we can ask the Lord one more time. One more time and he will meet us and he will restore us so we can get back to the work in the full strength that he's given us. 
Man, doesn't that give you so much confidence in the innate abilities that you have in your own walk with Christ? Those strengths were not for you and you alone. They were actually for the people on your left and right. Man, that sounds so much like Nehemiah. That sounds so much like the people of Israel locking arms to build the wall once again. Consider Nehemiah 4, picking up in verse 10. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot, we just can't rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and kill them and make them dead and then put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, overachievers, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Church, put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. Consider the illusion of the first time. You're surrounded by rubble. The city you so love that you know is supposed to be the glory of the world is in ruins. Feel like you can't go any further. Can you relate to how they're feeling? The hopelessness? Can, have you echoed even some of the same concerns regarding the work in the kingdom? Oh, we got to get to work in the kingdom. But first, I need to refresh myself because my strength is giving out. Or I would love to serve the Lord in this way, but there's too much rubble in my life. Or I just cannot rebuild. I know in my own life, I've echoed the same things that the people of Israel were struggling with when they were building the wall. But tonight, we're going to turn on that. See, they're facing the internal pressures of feeling like they don't have the strength. Of feeling like there's too much rubble. Feeling like they, they just simply cannot rebuild what's been destroyed. But on top of all that, they're facing outward opposition. Yeah. The enemy began to, began to whisper, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. On top of the inward mounting pressures, the inward opposition, the enemy is relentless when trying to discourage you in your divine call. He is relentless. He's a liar. He knows that if he can get you to believe that you can't do it, you might actually stop trying. He's also looking for any opportunity to kick you while you're down. Yeah. You ever heard that voice in your head, like after you've really failed, that says, you're just, a, you're just a loser, and you'll never get it right. Yeah, that's not the voice of God. That is the voice of Satan speaking to you. He's also looking for the opportunity to strike fear in your wife and in your children. You see, adversaries are trying to intimidate them and get them to give up. The enemy is trying to plant internal fears and concerns by suggesting that their labor is really in vain, that what they're doing will not prosper or progress despite what God had declared. Less is hitting, is hitting your heart. Consider that we are still talking about Israel. But man, can't you relate to how they're feeling? To top it all off, Jews, who are part of the family of God, told them ten times over. You, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Man, there's always that one thing just to top it all off. 
I have internal struggles. I have external persecutions. Nothing seems to go right. And now, wherever I turn, whatever I do, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to fail. Church, the greatest lie that the enemy is trying to plant in your mind is that no matter how hard you try, there is no hope for your success. There are external threats looming and internal fears that are building. But instead of withdrawing or slowing, let's look at how Nehemiah rallied the men of Israel in verse 13. In light of all that, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places where the enemy could see them, where they could see their enemies, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Fight for them. Now remember that the people are only concerned about all the rubble they are going to have to move. That's what they're concerned about. Yeah. Do you notice that Nehemiah doesn't even mention the things that they're afraid of? He doesn't even acknowledge it for a second. He says, therefore, I stationed some of the people and I said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Nehemiah reminded the people about who they are really fighting for. The Lord and their families. Church, whenever fear creeps in, we need to be reminded who we're really fighting for. We're not fighting for ourselves. We are not here for ourselves. We are fighting for each other. See, fear can't take that away, church. Fear cannot take that away. When the enemy says that you are good for nothing, you say, I am good for nothing, but I'm standing with my brothers, and they're not. You see, they thought their strength was giving out, but they are learning a crucial lesson, church. They thought that their strength is giving out, but they are learning that God is giving them strength for their brothers. Yes, Yes, your strength is giving out, but for your brothers, God will give you more. Come on. You see, what if the stones were the most discouraging thing to the men who were building? So let's take a lesson in leadership from Nehemiah. When the people are surrounded by internal turmoil and external threats, he doesn't just reemphasize the reality. Yes, we have a lot of stones. Life's hard. He doesn't do that. He tells them to remember the Lord and fight for their family. Surely they had strength for that because God had already given it to them for that purpose. And they're finally getting it. When you run out of your own strength, the kind of credit to yourself, It frees you to look at your brothers and ask the Lord, give me strength for them. Let me paint a picture for you. You're in Jerusalem. It's been destroyed by Babylon. And there's rubble way above your head. And your job is to move it from over here and put it on the wall over there. And you are physically exhausted. You haven't had a night that you've slept through. You haven't had a good meal. You haven't even had water. And you're exhausted and you can't go any further. And then your leader tells you, remember the Lord and fight for your family. Does that make the stones go away, church? Man, it's the same in your life. We are helping you move stones in your life so the wall is built. So this region of the world is built up and we see families, a hundred families planted there and the gospel going out. 
We're not saying ignore the stones. We're saying they need to be moved tonight. And God has given you the strength for it. And this is what it should look like. If you have an obstacle, let's say a stone that you know needs to be moved and put on the wall tonight. Then stop looking at it in your own strength. I saying I cannot move that stone. How about you look at that stone and say, I don't have strength for this, but what God has given me is for my brother. This stone right here, this is Chris Riasora. He's getting on that wall right now. This stone right here, that's Justin Linton. This one's for Pastor Matt. This one right here, this big old thing, this one's for my wife. This one's for my sons. This one's for my daughters. This one's for Rob. This one's for Wade. This one's for Charlie. This one's for my family. Then over time, it was never about your strength. It was about putting that stone on that wall for your brothers. This is how we build, church. This is how we end up where God has always called us to be. When you feel your strength is sapped and you cannot go further. Maybe tonight you're sitting in this room and you've been wrestling with those thoughts that I will not accomplish everything that God has given me. I can't go one more day. I just need a break. I can tell you tonight, you can ask him one more time. One more time for the sake of my brothers. I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to trust that the strength is on its way. Church, this is how you have confidence that your labor is not in vain. I'm telling you, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. But it was never your own strength that produced the work. It was the strength that God gave you from your birth. Come on, how inspirational is it when we're all on the same project? When we're all doing the same thing? When we're all working on the same thing, but you see a brother who's in the same Texas sun as you? You see a brother who is in every respect just like you, but he is getting it working with everything that he has, doing everything in his strength to build this project. Doesn't that inspire you to want to be like him? Yeah. Doesn't that, when you see a man working with everything that he has, doesn't that cause you to want to rise up and join him, church? Yes. You see, that's the effect that you have on each other. When you say one more time for my brothers, I will pick up this stone and I will move this part of the rubble. Man, that's inspirational. When fear is abounding, when the enemy says you can't do it, but one person says, one more time, Lord, strengthen me for my brothers and goes to work, it does something for the rest of us. You see, perhaps this mindset led Paul to write this in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Church, we do not lose heart in this room. We take heart. Yes. Come on. Church, think about, we're men. We love to research things like the Spartan warriors of old. Oh yeah. You know what made the, the Spartans great? Was not that they were ripped, macho men that people often think of. What made the Spartans great was their ability to fight in a unit. What made them who they were was their ability to stand shoulder to shoulder and not leave a man struggling on the Come battlefield. On. 
to hold their spear over their bro- to hold their shield over their brother and fight as one collective unit. That is why the world remembers them for what they have done. But that's not just the Spartans. That is the kingdom of God that we are building now. You see, we are becoming officers. And officers lead by example. They're not, not by trying to make their actions prove their faith, but by their faith being proven in their actions and what they are doing for the body at large. Warriors, officers, are not trained for aesthetics only. They're not trained for how they're perceived and how people look at them. They're training for survival, for perseverance, for accomplishing the mission, for learning to be hungry, learning to be hot, cold, tired, afraid, disadvantaged, so that they are ready for any and every hardship so that they can stand by their brother's side and fight together. They're trained to be outwardly wasting, but inwardly fortified. Come on. So when you're thinking about warriors, if you're anything like me, you think about the quintessential man. You think about someone who is strong and victorious, and that is true on the inside. When you think about warriors, they were training to survive days and weeks without food, days without water, so that in any situation you could drop a warrior and he would survive. He would stand firm till the end. Come on, church. Are we trying to just make ourselves look good on the outside? Or are we truly training to stand the the barrage of world that is coming towards us? I'm telling you, it'll make you look like you're outwardly wasting away, tired, broken, incapable in the physical realm. But in the spiritual, you are fortified with the armament of heaven, the spirit of the living God. That is enough to sustain us. It's because we are officers who are training to stand firm to the very end, even at the expense of our own physical bodies. We will stand together with each man, focusing on the success of his brother on his left and right. And even if you failed by focusing on your own ambitions, tonight you can ask the Lord to strengthen you one more time to move those stones for the sake of your brothers. Now we know Samson's selfishness led to his vision getting clouded. We know that it led back to the vineyard again. We know that it led to the prostitute's lap. It led to his God-ordained strength that was for his people being taken from him. But church, that's not how he finished his life. Let's look at Judges 16, picking up in 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. One more time. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than when he lived. You see, it is true that Samson lost focus on why he had his strength. But you know what's also true? He gained it back in the end. Yeah. You see, Samson lost his eyes, but in this moment, he has never seen more clearly. 
He is realizing in the last moments of his life the mission that he was born for. You see, this is Samson's moment at the end of his life where he is realizing that his strength was not given to him to fuel his own desires. It was given to him for his people. And in that moment, when realization, repentance, and revelation mixed, God allowed him to do it one more time. And in the end, he left his people on better footing. Look, if you are here tonight and you realize that you are becoming weak, if you feel weak, if you don't feel strong, you don't feel like you're where you should be, if your eyes have barbs in them, then you can make a turn on your own selfishness and God will give you strength one more time over and over and over again. Look, there's two men in the Bible that went after lions. We read about one of them. His name is Samson. He went after the lion and he tore that thing apart, man. But you see, he only, at the very end of his life, he got it. You want to know who the other man who went after a lion was? He was David. You want to know why he went after a lion? Because there was a sheep that belonged to him that was stuck in its mouth. You see, David realized in his life that only what God, what God has given him is not for him, it's for the people around him. To make them into what he is, to make them better than he is, and that's why David ended up being David his entire life. Because he, he learned that lesson in obscurity. That I have this strength for my sheep. Church, tonight if you feel weak, perhaps it's because you've been focusing on yourself a little bit too much. Perhaps you've been focusing on your own calling. Focusing on just making yourself strong instead of actually focusing on your strength being given to you only for the reason of those around you. Focus on those around you and your strength being for them and you will find yourself becoming more strong over and over again. You won't even have to ask God for strength. You will be becoming strong as you focus on your brothers. Consider how the Hebrew writer commented on Samson. Because we see this pattern where Samson was strong for a period of time in his life. And then he had his strength taken. But that's not how he finished. It is the same for you, church. It is the same for every man in here. You probably had seasons where you were so strong. And maybe even tonight you're in the season where you feel like you are so weak. But this is not how your life finishes. Hebrews 11.32 says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time. To tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. And who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength. And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Church, it is possible for your weakness to be turned to strength tonight. It depends entirely on what you are viewing as weakness and strength, though. If you are weak, weary, or worrisome about your calling, your position, or your function, get your myopic eyes off of yourself, and the Lord will make you strong for your brothers. If you think you are strong, secure, or solid in your calling, that you have it all together, 
then you need to wake up. When you think you're so called, self-proclaimed, self-absorbed strength, it might actually be your weakness. God only gives you the strength, church, for those around you. Your strength is for the purpose of building up this body. Your strength has always been for the purpose of serving other people, never your own ambitions. Consider 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8. For those of us who want to be strong for our brothers, we can become powerful in battle. If we join the battle for our brother's calling, even though we feel weak, God will make us strong. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who makes you different than anyone else? Y'all hear that tonight? Who makes you different than anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have become kings and that without us. How I wish that you had really become kings so that we might be kings with you. Church, we will become kings together. Yeah. Because it is impossible for us to become kings alone. Did you hear what pa Pastor Parson said? God only, say only. Only. He only gives you strength for those around you. Only. Do you think God gives you strength just for yourself? Just to be proud of yourself and pat yourself on the back? No. To make, your, make you feel good about your calling? Make you feel good like you're actually achieving something? He only gives you strength for others, for those around you. When we're saying that, you should be also hearing, he will only make you an officer for those around you. That is only why God does that. It is impossible for us to become kings alone. It is not possible for you to be a king and everyone else around you a peasant, though. If everyone else around you is a peasant, what does that say about you? Not a king yet. Not an officer. If you are really a king, then it is because God wants you to make those around you kings. Come on. That's why he makes you a king. Husbands, it's time to stop getting angry because you don't see progress in your wife. God gives you strength for your wife. Yeah. Why do you think you're stronger than her? Because he gives you strength for her. Wives, it's time to stop despairing over the state of your children. You are strong, mothers, for them. That's why God made you strong for them. Teams, it's time to stop the frustration of the failures of those around you. If you are strong, and I say that with a, if you are, if you are strong, it is for them stop the frustration if you have strength god gave it to you for them you have what others around you need church and they have what you need if you think about our time in worship this is what the lord is calling for us to do to experience a level of unity that we haven't known yet 
But tonight, if we ask him, he will strengthen us for each other's benefit, and we'll have this beautiful giving and taking of strengths within the body of Christ that will look like a fully functioning body, beginning to walk, then run, then jump, all over the world. As we come to the balance of our time, 2 Corinthians 9, 8-11 through 11 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Church, God is able to make you strong tonight. If you hear nothing else, we want you to know that God will make you strong. He is able to give you everything you need at all times. But he will not do this so that you can marvel at your own greatness, your own superiority. But if you are desperate tonight, And you cry out, Lord, one more time. Strengthen me, not for myself, but strengthen me for my brothers. Lord, one more time, strengthen me for my wife. Strengthen me for my children. Strengthen me for my team. Lord, that I might be able to impart something good. That they might be able to continue in their call. That they might be able to overcome this hardship, this difficulty. Lord, give me what they need. Use me as a vessel. The man will answer that kind of heart, that kind of direction with supernatural strength. If you come to this altar tonight, if you worship before the Lord with a selfless attitude, I promise you, he will meet you with his empowerment from heaven. You will feel his presence and his spirit flow through your veins like you never have before because it no longer becomes about you. You are at this altar asking God, fill me now. Fill me now that I might take my first step towards a brother who I know needs it. We want to close tonight in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 through 10. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distress. In beatings, imprisonments, and riots. In hard work, sleepless nights. And hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Sword, trial, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Look, church, during the midst of what would look like outward weakness, God is able to make us strong for those around us. Church, we can be poor. 
We can be poor outwardly. We can be beaten. We can be sleepless. And yet we can possess riches that that abound in such measure that everyone else around us is blessed. This is what it looks like to be strong in the Lord. To be weak outwardly, but to be strong for our brothers. That's what it looks like to be strong in the Lord. Externally and inwardly suffering, but we actually possess a strength that makes others better. How is it that we get so caught up in our external and outward circumstances when the whole point was that our outward and external circumstances are given to us to help us make our brothers strong? What we are to become is outwardly suffering, but inwardly possessing something that makes others better. Look, this is our heart's cry tonight. For those of you in the room, there are areas of your lives that have been weak for a while because you have only focused on yourself and your own desires. You have a weak prayer life. How many times have you honestly prayed, Lord, give me a better prayer life? But what if you came at it from the angle, Lord, give me a strong prayer life for them? You have a weak study in the word, weak study of the word. Have you ever just tried to sit there and be like, I want to be stronger in the word, so I'll just sit here and read it? That does make you stronger, but how about praying and saying, Lord, make me strong in the word for them? You see, when you do that, he actually does make you strong in the word because your focus is on them. For others in the room, you know that the Lord has made you strong, but you've forgotten why the Lord made you strong. You think the Lord made you strong just for you so that you can be elevated, puffed up, put in front of all others to be a display of Christ's glory when in all reality you're prideful. God made you strong for your brothers. And if you get angry at your brothers for being what you perceive as weaker, you're missing the whole point. For others in the room, you are unsure if you have anything to offer at all. That is a total lie from the pit of hell. Do you remember what God told Moses, church? Moses, Lord, how am I gonna go do what you called me to do in Egypt? What did God tell Moses? Moses, what is in your hand? Staff. For those of you who are unsure if you have anything to offer, what is in your hands? God's given you something in your hands that is supposed to be in your hands to give to others. Every one of us has something in our hands. It's a staff. It's a testimony of what God has brought you from and where he is bringing you. You are here so that you will become strong for those around you. We look at this map. We're going to reach that map one day, but the only way we will reach it is if we are focusing on becoming strong for them. That's the only way it happens. And our pastors are ahead of the curve uh, on that. Our pastors have been teaching us about that. And we want it. We're excited about going to the nations. But it doesn't happen if we don't start here doesn't happen if we don't start asking the Lord for strength to channel through us being strong for our brothers. And then we do that in the one association. And then we do that in the nations. Church, tonight we want to come to the altar and we want to ask the Lord to search our hearts. But see, we shouldn't just come up here in sorrowful, sobbing repentance if we've been selfish. Because that, that is kind of propagating the problem. 
focusing on us, what we've done wrong? What would it look like if we came to this altar right now consumed with zeal for God's house? What if we were not afraid, not ashamed to ask the Lord, Lord, make me strong? What if we were not afraid to ask the Lord, say, Lord, make me strong for my brothers? Give me what my brothers need. What if we came right now with all of the zeal for God's house we can muster and zealously ask God, make me strong for my brothers? Church, let's do it now. Mighty God, Lord, make us strong for this house. Lord, make us warriors. Lord, make us strong for our brothers. Lord, give us what our brothers need right now. Lord, erase from our eyes fleshly desires, myopic thinking, thinking about ourselves, our own calling, and let our eyes be focused on what they need, Lord, what the world needs, what our workplace needs, what our family needs, what this church needs, what the nations need, mighty God. Lord, we boldly ask you right now for strength, strength to achieve what you've called us to, mighty God. Lord, we say make us strong for our brothers.